Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you for a day like this. A day the church remembers your triumphant entry into Jerusalem when you came as a man. We thank you because it's the beginning of the road to Calvary. And this road to Calvary is what we want to consider today. Help us by your spirit. Open our eyes as we go through your word. That we shall learn the lesson thereof. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to begin by thanking my Archdeacon and the chaplaincy of this chapel for inviting me on this special day in the calendar of the church, otherwise known as Palm Sunday. I thank God for the topic, the topic that says the road to Calvary. And if you remember that the theme for the chapel has been taken from Amos chapter 4, verse 12, which says, Prepare to meet your God. If you read that Bible closely, it ends with, O Israel. So, in applying it today for us, it can be prepare to meet your God, O church. And before some of you decide to sleep, as this sermon is going on, I want to give you the message that the Lord gave me as a summary. So that you can meditate over this message after today. And continue meditating over it. In fact, I was meditating over it. And my eyes were now opened to the relationship between this theme and the topic today. And what was the summary that was given to me? If we are to meet God in judgment and receive no condemnation, then we must follow the road to Calvary. That's the summary of what I received. And I asked the question, why? And I was reminded about 1 Peter 4.17 and 2 Corinthians 5.10. We are, the Bible is trying to make it clear that judgment will begin in the household of God. And that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So, I could now begin to understand the meaning of this summary. That if I am to meet my God in judgment, and God will give me acquittal and tell me you are not guilty, that I must follow the road to Calvary. 
Let's look at the scripture that we have used as our text today. Can we browse at Matthew 21? I know young people will like this language, browsing. And click, click at verse 9. Then the crowd surged on ahead and pressed along behind shouting. My own translation, pardon me, I'm using Living Bible. I know if you use King James, maybe a little bit different. And pressed along behind shouting, God bless King David's son. God's man is here. Bless him, Lord. Look at another expression. Praise God in highest heaven. I know King James brought out the word Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. The road to Calvary. Jesus was beginning that road today. It's a road that is littered with difficulties. Humiliation, challenges, difficulties, struggles, disappointments. Incidentally, Brother Paul gave us two sides of the coin of Christianity in Philippians 3 verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his uh, suffering. But incidentally, many people today are preaching only the power of his resurrection. And that's the one we want to see. That's the one we, that appeals to us. Do you know that many men of God even preach against, yes, they preach against the fellowship of his suffering. It did not start today. It started with Brother Peter. Apostle Peter. Let's look at Matthew 16. Go back to Matthew 16. It started with Apostle Peter. A man of God. And he didn't want Jesus to go through that road to Calvary. Jesus predicted it. I must go through that road. It is divine plan and arrangement. And if you look at verse 21, that's Matthew 16 from verse 21. Look at what the Bible says. Jesus began to speak plainly, not in parables, clearly, straight to the point, saying, I am going to Jerusalem, and what will happen to him there? And he will suffer at the hands of the Jewish leaders, that he will be killed and that three days later, there is the victory. That's what Satan doesn't want us to see. In the road to Calvary, littered with disappointments as a child of God, struggles. Satan doesn't want you to see the victory behind. That's why when you are presented only with the struggles, disappointments, I don't know whom God is talking to here. You are passing through struggles now as a child of God. You begin to wonder, this is very strange to me. No, it's not strange. Peter, Try to rebuke Jesus for predicting that he's going to follow that road. Look at what Jesus and he took when Jesus finished saying that Peter took 
Jesus aside, verse 22. My own verse translation says, began to remonstrate with him. Other translations say, began to rebuke Jesus. And said, heaven forbid, it is not your portion. You know, it happens today, not my portion. So it is the portion of Barrister. I come to you say, it's not my portion. Bam, back. So it's my own. You know, it happens. And that was what Peter was saying here. It's not your portion. And Jesus turned in verse 23 and turned on Peter and said, Get away, you Satan. Very strong word. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are thinking merely from a human point of view and not from God's point of view. So Satan is always there in the picture trying to confuse us with this road to Calvary. He doesn't want us to follow it. He doesn't, he doesn't want us to see associated with Christianity that it is unavoidable. You cannot. Do you know what? Peter, <laughs> when his eyes are open, when you read the epistle of Peter, the letter he wrote to the church, he now wrote clearly to show that it is not strange for believers to pass through suffering. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2.21. And if you read again 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, just write down these two scriptures and go through it. You see how Peter, in retrospect, he realized he was wrong when he opposed Jesus. When Jesus said, I'm going to go through the path, the road to Calvary, he now wrote in the letter, do not find it strange, brethren, when you pass through suffering. I see something strange was happening to you. No, he said, no, it's nothing strange happening. It's all part of the whole thing. So like Paul, I can say, I want to know him. The power of his resurrection. The other side of the coin, the fellowship of his suffering. Hallelujah. Now, I want us to look at the way this sermon is going to go. Two questions we are going to answer and I'm going to end. Number one question. What happened on the road to Calvary? That's number one question. Number two. What happened at Calvary? That location. What happened there? How is it relevant to me today? I, 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 thank, I was listening to the prophecies that we are coming up today. I, I particularly was struck by the second prophecy. In Igbo. It's like a glimpse of part of the message I have today. So I was so glad when that prophecy came, because it's like a confirmation. So, we cannot avoid the road to Calvary, the road to the cross. That's actually another way to put it. So, what transpired on that road? What happened on that road? Go back to verse 9. And when you click at verse 9, I want you to zoom. You know, if you look, you may not see anything, but zoom, zoom at that verse. Yes. You know, you, you people that use uh, ICTH, some of you think you can only, you can zoom the Bible, yes. Zoom that verse. You may not see anything initially, but when you zoom that verse, you begin to see so many things. So let's look at that verse. Um, we are back to where we took as our text. Matthew 21, verse 9. Have you noticed that there are two crowds? Sets of crowds there. I want to call it the convoy of Jesus. On, on this day like this, Jesus had a convoy too. But he was riding on an ass. Suggesting humility. He wasn't a horse. So, in looking at that crowd, two sets of crowd, 
the those before Jesus and those behind, they did two things. One, they said something. And they did something. I want us to look at what they said. First of all, let's look at what they did. Because what they did is found in verse 8. Look at what they did there. And some in the crowd threw down their coats along the road ahead of them. And others cut branches from the trees and spread them out before him. I don't know whether you know the meaning of somebody taking away your clothes and spreading it on the floor for somebody. It's like, I don't know how to put it, an adulation. You are, you've had you, an adoration, adulation. I don't know the way to put it. You are as if you are saying, that person is my all in all. I don't mind him riding on what I'm putting as a wear, even if it's an expensive wear. It's like what Mary Magdalene did, breaking that calabaster. Alabaster, yes. Breaking it at the feet of Jesus. You know, something that's so costly. So these people, that crowd that did that act of throwing away their clothes, they saw Jesus as the Messiah. And it's reflected in what they said, what they sang. In fact, it's the, it's the expression for Messiah. That person they're expecting to come and deliver them. And look, look at what else they did. They cut branches from the trees. They didn't say, you know, this day is only palm we are using. But it's very significant in the church. They said they cut down trees. They didn't specify palm trees. But other translations specified the trees. They gave details. Pine trees, fig trees, Thick trees, palm trees. Now, do you know that this thing they did is exactly what the children of Israel were commanded to do in Nehemiah 8 verse 15. The feast of tabernacles or the feast of the boots. When they came back from exile, they were told, look, this is one of the feasts the Lord said you should commemorate. And to restore it back, look at what they were told to do. Go to the mountain, cut down trees, the branches of trees, palm trees, we are part of it. So, this crowd, they knew what they were doing. You know, some of them gathered for Passover. Some of them gathered for some feasts. If you read John, the John's account of this story, John says some of them gathered for Passover. It's no wonder Jesus fulfilled Passover. He used the opportunity to tell them that Passover is fulfilled in me. That was why he instituted the what? The Lord's Supper. To tell them all these feasts you see in the Old Testament, they find fulfillment in me. So when they were cutting down these trees, it's as if they were trying to show that they want to commemorate the feasts of Boots or Tabernacle. We are they recognize that Jehovah is their shelter. They pass through wilderness, Jehovah is their shelter. As a Christian, you are passing through difficulties. Remember, he is your shelter. Oh God, my help in ages past. My hope for years to come. Be thou my God, while troubles last. And my eternal hope. We sing it today. Now, let me tell you the significance of the Christian. We are carrying palm trees today. It's no longer any type of tree. Palm. 
But the significance lies in Revelation 7-9. That is why you cannot avoid the road to Calvary. Do you know what? In Revelation 7-9, the heavenly church, the church triumphant, the heavenly church, they are holding palms. That's what the Bible revealed in Revelation 7-9. Those whose these clothes we are washed and they are washed white. Not anyhow, but washed white in the blood of the Lamb. They are holding palms. Signifying what? Joy and victory. So, whatever awaits a believer as he goes through the road, of, road to Calvary, suffering, let me tell you, God places victory at the end. It marveled me when I see Matthias. Recently, they posted something in the internet about ISIS. The modern day persecutors of Christians. I saw when they were killing a Christian. You know, they, they cut the neck. They don't hide their own. They cut the neck if you are a Christian. And I saw the face of one Christian. They were cutting the neck. Smiling. I couldn't believe it. Smiling. Matthias. They are called Matthias. The road to Calvary. Let me tell you. I don't know whether it will be in our lifetime. But it may soon come. Somebody is telling me along... Enugu Potakot Express Road. There are some people that are taking over some lands. Fulanese. You know they are warriors in the hands of Islamists. I hope you know that. And they don't mind the way they kill. They kill mercilessly. So I'm foreseeing the future. Our faith may be put into trial. Will there be Christian martyrs? Will it be a martyr for Jesus? <laughs> we think it's very far. It is near. Yes, Turkey that you see today was a Christian nation. Paul did missionary work there and died around that area. And mind you, Turkey is now Muslim, Muslim nation. They take over gradually. It's a systematic plan. So they have infiltrated Ibo land now. You can see settlements everywhere. And they are warriors in the hands of Islamists, these people. So it is better manner we begin to know who we believe in and make up our mind. That yes, I believe in him. And that's why you need to know. What you believe in. On a day like this, that is Palm Sunday. And we are considering the road to Calvary. We need to understand what this road is actually is. Now, we have told you what these people said and what they did. I want you to see what they said and how they said it. They cried. They shouted. That's my own translation. King James Version said they cried, saying, Hosanna, hailing him as the Messiah. But what happened? They were disappointed. Hmm. Many of you, if you don't know about the Christianity of the fellowship of his suffering, you'll be disappointed though. Yes, you will be. Do you know what these people thought? They thought that Jesus will, he did, they didn't know that Jesus was following the road to Calvary. So they were hailing him. Messiah. Oh, the man has come to destroy the Roman occupiers. The Roman oppressors. He will just enter Jerusalem now. And the kings of the foreign land that have subjected us to domination, they will quiver and quake. They will melt before him. You could see the intense way they were shouting for him. He's going to subdue the Roman Empire very soon. 
And that is what I call Star Wars Christianity. Star Wars. You know about Star Wars? <laughs> That's what some people want now to project to us. Oh, when you do like this, like a magic, Jesus will roll away your problems. You will be flying on the high and you will be riding like a king. Come somebody shout hallelujah. And the young people will be jumping up. You will avoid the reality of life. You know, Star Wars Christianity, Cinderella. That was what they thought. And they were shouting and hailing Jesus. Until when Jesus was humiliated. Can you see the humiliation he passed through? On Good Friday, you are going to see it. Don't miss the Good Friday service. That's why the church commemorates this thing. For us to remember what happened that day. What he did on the cross. He was humiliated. It wasn't the expectation again. Ah, we thought it was going to be the Messiah. That we wave the hand like this, things will happen. After all, he, he carried out miracles. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. Now, let us see him. Immediately, he points a hand at Herod or whoever. They will just quiver and fall down and die. And nothing like that happened. They arrested him. Do you know that even his close disciples, they ran away? They were disappointed. They, they didn't know Jesus was to follow the road to Calvary. That the road to Calvary is a road littered with humiliation. A road littered with difficulties. A road littered with challenges. You cannot avoid it if you are to meet your God. That's the way God chose it. You cannot change it. And modern day pastors cannot change it. You cannot. It is there. It is a reality. But I want to tell you, even if you are passing through as a child of God, there is a victory behind. That's why the church is looking at Easter. Easter is the victory. Yes, after Good Friday, Easter is the victory. No it in your life. You in a pass through There is a victory. Come on, one widow behind my 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 clinic yesterday. Husband died three years ago. Left with children to cater for. Incidentally, two of the children are sick class. Mana, let me tell you a testimony she gave yesterday when she came. I told you, look, a widow that remains faithful to Jesus. Jesus promised that I will be the husband. Don't be afraid. You will pass through challenges, but the victory will be there. What happened? What's a single testimony of a doctor who volunteered that there is a modern therapy for sickle cell? And she said, what? The money costs millions. One point something million. But the woman doesn't have the money. But because the man wanted another client to have it, but that client in Lagos died. Something ministered to the man. Maybe God. It's God Almighty. The man changed his mind and called the woman. Look, I'm going to give you this thing free. The woman couldn't believe it. I'm going to give you this thing free. That was what was ministered in my heart. The doctor just came back from abroad and started practicing. He had this new modern therapy for sickle cell. So, <laughs> I told the woman, remember what Jesus said. Though you pass through these challenges, there is a victory at the end. Don't be afraid of tomorrow. Don't be afraid. I'm your husband. That's the promise. That's the promise Jesus makes. He doesn't promise you that you will not pass through challenges. But he promises you victory if you remain faithful to the end. I, I pity young men these days that are, that are hundwinked. And uh, you are bamboozled. You want where you'll be jumping up. Cinderella Christianity, Star Wars. <laughs> One day you'll get disappointed and you begin to wonder. 
Is this faith real? This faith is real. You follow the wrong doctrine. Yes. And we are here to set you aright. Today, this topic couldn't have come at the right time. He said, the road to Calvary. Let our eyes be opened that there is a road to Calvary, to the cross. And look at what happened on that road. We are seeing what the people did and what they said. How the same people changed and said crucify him because of what they thought. Their expectation wasn't what they saw. I want you to avoid their mistake. Christianity is not what people are painting it to be to you. Look at that verse 8. I've told you how they threw down their coats, how they cut branches, and told you what the significance of that. And some of us are still misusing the palms today. Some of us use the palm. Some of us will make it, make it in the sign of the cross and hold it and put it into our Bible. Some of us hold the leaves as we are going to church. We are holding it and going. When we finish, we throw it away. Some of us in some congregations, they are told to bring the, the palms to be blessed so that the next Ash Wednesday, the things will be burnt into ash and be pasted on your forehead. I, don't, I didn't see that in this Bible. What I can see in the Bible is Revelation 7-9. The significance of the palm. Victory. Joy. When you are eventually washed in the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Now, I want us to look at Calvary now. What happened at Calvary? The second question. What happened there? Calvary those who are in medicine will understand the meaning of this word Calvary. Hmm, I think so. If you are not in medicine, you will not understand. I am talking of the root word Calvarium. Skull. Another name is Golgotha. Tradition has it that it was the site where Adam was buried. The skull of Adam is there. Somehow, by divine arrangement, Jesus was to be crucified at that same spot. What happened there? Why was he chosen as a spot? As a spot. Spot where Jesus will be crucified. I want us to look at what I call the greatest spiritual exchange. I went to buy, yes, to buy dollars the other day to pay for journal, some journal publication. And I discovered that those that are in this business, business of exchange, is one of the quickest ways to make money in Nigeria without sweating. I say this is financial exchange, physical exchange. You can imagine the spiritual exchange that took place at Calvary. I don't know what you. I don't know the. I don't know whether you realize the implication of somebody's debt being cancelled, <laughs> like Nigeria now. You know, Nigeria is a highly indebted nation. We have been getting loans, right, left, and center. Even state governments are busy getting loans. You can imagine recently Nigeria got another loan from China. 
to execute projects. So imagine one day when we are struggling, when are we going to pay all this trillion? China wakes up and says, Nigeria, I cancel your debt of trillions of Naira. Do you know the meaning? <laughs> like like Paris, Paris, Paris Club or whatever canceled for Nigeria when Obasanjo was there with uh, Okonji Iwala. They canceled Nigeria debt. Part of, is it part of the debt? I don't mean not all of them. And we knew the, the effect on Nigerian economy. You know, when, this, when we see some of these Bible stories, we, we sometimes lose the import, the meaning. What do they mean? And the venerable Ajikin, during after the worship, he was asking people who want to surrender their lives. You know, some of us, we hear it. Well, these things, we've heard it over and over. But I want you to realize that everyday happening, God uses everyday happening to preach the gospel to us. Look at this exchange. So, Paul understood this exchange. Let us look at where he wrote about this exchange. Browse again to Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Five twenty-one. I love the way Living Bible paraphrased it. We want to look at what happened at Calvary. Remember what he said. It was a tradition has it that it was the site where Adam was buried. I hope you know why Adam died. We know the reason. His disobedience he died because of his sin. In fact, the Holy Spirit opened the eyes of Brother Paul. And he wrote in Romans chapter 5. If you read verse 18-19, you are going to see. Comparing Jesus and Adam. Some people refer Jesus, therefore, as the second Adam. Or the last Adam. Trying to compare the two. So that same site, where the first Adam died, the second Adam came to be killed. On Calvary. On a day like Good Friday. We are going to reach that day very soon. Now look at the exchange. Look at how my... I don't know you are, you are using King James Version. I am using Living Bible. Look at the way Living Bible wrote it. For God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins. Then in exchange... What a great exchange... He poured God's goodness in us. Can you see the exchange? You are there. In other words, when Christ stood at Calvary, you know all of us are sons of Adam. We are descendants of Adam. Christ, the sinless Adam, that Adam is supposed to be before, before he sinned, stood there to be judged on your behalf and on my behalf. So the debt that we are carrying, we owe God. Christ carried the debt. And God, remember that spot. We are that first Adam that's supposed to be sinless died. God cancelled what the second Adam did. Hallelujah. I'm going to end this message very soon. With a story that happened to me. 
Before that, let's look at Galatians 5.14. For you to realize and appreciate the road to the cross, the road to Calvary, what it means and God's expectation from you and I. Verse 14. Brother Paul writing, As for me, God forbid that I should boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in all the attractive things of the world was killed long ago. And the world's interest in me is also long dead. You remember the hymn by Dr. Isaac Watts. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died, my richest gain I count that loss. I'm poor contempt on all my pride. Now wait. Let me go back to the appeal by our archdeacon. When he was asking some people, can you surrender your life to Jesus? And I want to end this message by something that happened to me a few years ago. I didn't understand the meaning of surrender until I had that experience. I was coming back from my clinic, my evening clinic, somewhere at a layout. Carrying my bag. That time GSM was just introduced. And I was among the very few that just bought GSM. So I was fascinated by the phone. You can imagine the old branded phone. If you see it today, you will wonder why I'm fascinated by this. Because the phone has what? Has progressed. You know, the technology is improving every day. So I was so happy that after the clinic I was going home. And lo and behold, a young man. It was dark. People were passing, passing by. That area was dark. No light. Bad road. Just to go and enter where my car was parked, a young man approached me and blocked me with piercing eyes, like that of Pussycat. He looked at my eyes. And before I knew it, he did the hand like this as he was trying to bring out something. If you move, I shoot. That's what he told me. I didn't see any gun, no. But I was afraid. Fear took over me. He now began to command me. Move. Follow me. And I followed him. Where did you park? I pointed at the place. I followed him sheepishly. I didn't see any gun, but his son was at the, at the, you know. And people were passing, you know. And nothing, I didn't shout. I just the one that, each time I, I play back, what happened? I said, but I could have shouted. But I could have told him, show me that gun. <laughs> I was afraid of my life. I was afraid of my life. That's what happened. And I followed him to my car. Opened the car and I opened. I parked in front of a house. Somebody's house. 
And I opened the car. Opened that bag. And I opened the bag. He dipped his hand in a twinkle of an eye inside my bag. I didn't know you are t- taking all the money. And even my GSM took it. See, any other thing I have, valuable, I said no. And as he was leaving, one of his colleagues there shouted, any yawa? He said, no yawa. And I knew there was an accomplice. And he disappeared. And I went to him that day. My wife asked me, what happened? He saw my, my countenance. I told him, what happened? He said, how, do you, did you see the gun? I said, I didn't see the gun, no. But he was placing the hand as if he was trying to bring out one. And do you know what God ministered to me? You were afraid of your life. Fear not who. Who is able to take your body and after that can do nothing to your soul. But I will show you who to fear. That person who can take your life, your body. And at the same time, your soul in hellfire. So Jesus has control over my body and my soul. That's the message. That this young man had no control over my soul, but only my body. And I was afraid. And I surrendered. I gave him all, everything. So today when we appeal to people, give your life to Jesus, surrender to Jesus. <laughs> you see how lightly we take this call. Even though some of us know that Jesus is not yet the Lord of all. Because somebody said, if Jesus is not the Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. In other words, you cannot give him half measure. Jesus is not interested in half measure. But total obedience and allegiance. Oh, I learned that lesson that day. What it means to surrender. And I think we are going to end this message by that hymn, I surrender all. Mean it from your heart. And if a prayer will go forth again from the archdeacon, consider again that appeal, surrender to Jesus. I surrender all to Jesus. Oh, to Him I freely give. is going on even now. Who will be the Lord of your life? We have heard the message. We have heard the prophecy. And now we give the call. Who would be the Lord of your life. Begin to talk to God.
Begin to talk to God because there is an important exchange that must be made. And you cannot afford to live on presumption. You cannot afford to procrastinate in this exercise. And once again, we plead by the mercies of God. If you have not given your life to Christ, this is a good time to do so. Ask the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your life. Ask him to exchange the natural self that you that has always controlled you with his righteousness which he purchased at Calvary. Ask him to take away your name from the book of deaths. A place where everyone's name is originally written because of the fall of Adam. Ask him to write your name in the book of life and to give you his life. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. You have given your life to Christ. But you have been in control of your life. That is what the second part of the prophecy said. You have given your life to Christ. But you have been in control. You have set boundaries for God. And said this area... I don't want you to interfere. Begin to talk to God now. Say, Lord, in that very area that I have treasured and shut you out, I want you to come in. You have given your life to Christ. But when situations challenge you, you say, Obol namaburo. That means that you are regretting the fact that you have given your life to Christ. Begin to talk to him. This is a good day to make things straight with our Lord. And so, Eternal Father, we thank you because of your word that has come very clearly to us. And so, we have no reason and we have no cover. All that we desire, Lord, is that in your mercy, you will straighten out our lives. 
and cause so heavenly king that the words we have heard today shall bear fruits in us. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray.